I want to see what that dad bod can do out there. Not buying your banjos around the campfire. Shove them up your ass. Good morning or afternoon or I don't know. Look, if you're listening in the middle of the night, just enjoy it. Okay. And if I say good morning, that offends you. I don't want to do with you anymore. It's football and other F words. Uh, we're brought to you by Broadway sports media. Dot com. As always, I'm joined by Zach Lyons. Zach, how are you today? Doing pretty good. Uh, I feel a little forced to do this episode because we've been we've been basically hammered by letting this guest on today. And, you know, it really wasn't my doing. It was more your doing. But here we are. See, I'm on I the show. But I need to preface that this is a man that 90 seconds ago told us that his dog failed to wake him up. So I, I don't know. I don't know how seriously I take that comment, um, but he is right. We do have a guest today. It has been 498 days since this man has been on. He hails from Evansville, Indiana, uh, standing at a stout 6'8", 180 pounds. I'm just that last part. I have no idea. Uh, it's Buck, Buck Rising of the Buck Rising Show. Hello, Buck. Hello, boys. How are we this morning? Uh, yeah, six, six, three, six, four in heels, probably closer to 240 nowadays, which is unfortunate because the, my suit's fit uh, a little worse on game day than they used to, which is unfortunate because I like to wear them. But it's <laughs> lovely to be back, uh, especially given that this comes under the two hosts of this show protesting my return to the podcast. Protesting. It was more of I decided to make a joke at your expense yesterday, and then you pointed out that we have not invited you on the podcast since the middle of the pandemic last year. Um, which is well, embarrassing. We had a it's full slate of guests. I mean, we had Chad back on. We had Emily back on. We had Caroline on twice. I mean, that's a full slate of guests. <laughs> you know what? Fuck you guys. All right. Because <laughs> you two, you three, well, prior to Mike Miracles retiring, you three were the first people that I physically saw in person for the first yeah. time during COVID. We sat very awkwardly around. Zach's uh, Zach's office table, and this is out only the second time that I had been invited into his home. The first time we were uninvited guests uh, without him uh, physically being present on the podcast. So, yeah, you know what? It's my time. It's my turn. And so I'm happy to be back and we're going to have a good time, whether you two like it or not. I, I'm, I'm here to have a good time, but I. uh I, I gotta, I gotta preface that. Yeah. You, you kind of shamed us into coming back on, which is, which is fine. It's not a problem. I wanted to have you back on, but it's embarrassing when you have sure. to bring up. Sure. It's, you it, wanted it, to have me back. on. <laughs> I mean, it worked. It worked, I guess. <laughs> Listen, when you're responsible, solely responsible for a man's success in Nashville, you gotta have it back on to talk about it. Right. <laughs> I, I think that's true. I think that I, uh, because my, somehow, um, my the national media attention, the conversation around the Tennessee Titans turned into accusations of where where would I be without national attention? And I said, well, who, who the fuck do you think nationally is pay, paying attention to me? How stupid are yeah. people on the Internet? So if we're talking local attention, yes, the uh, the rise to fame started on football and other F words. I owe you boys everything. You sure do. We're, we're looking for our royalties. I I'm Get so glad you brought up the national checks in the mail. I'm glad you brought up the national media piece. We're definitely going to get into that. I, I, I couldn't help think last night that 
it, it is simultaneously ridiculous for Titans fans to obsess about what the national media wants out of them, considering what most national media, namely ESPN, has turned into with screamathons and screaming head shows. At the same time, as I'm like, you know, fangirling over the Manning cast, which mm-hmm. I absolutely can't get enough of. I it's it's ESPN has somewhat inadvertently stumbled into a diamond mine. Well, it's just, you know, finally somebody uh, got their heads out of their asses and was like, you know, what? let's have a little fun. God forbid. Nobody, yes. Nobody's paying attention to ESPN2 anyway. Let's just have some fun with it. And for once in the executive branch of Disney's lifetime, they decided to loosen up a little bit. That may be too loose because you have to pull Marshawn Lynch for dropping F-bombs across Disney platforms last night. But that was good because it turned... What was an unwatchable product, even though the end was low-key hilarious to watch just as a football experience, it turned an unwatchable product between Geno Smith's Seahawks and, uh, and uh, oh, who, I don't even remember who they played last night because I was paying attention to take Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Marshawn Lynch, Eli, uh, Sue Bird, uh, and it was, a, it was a great time. Who the hell did the Seahawks play last night? I'm blanking the on Saints. Saints. Oh, oh, Jameis. Primetime Jameis, words that should not be uttered at any point in history since him becoming a starting quarterback yet again. And that was the treat that we were all given. Uh, and it very quickly directed all of the traffic to ESPN, too, because the football wasn't watchable. So why not watch the Mannings, watch the unwatchable football? I, I just i am with you. I don't know how you could watch the standard broadcast. Uh, you're turning it off some way. That was a terrible game. And what the oh, Mannings yeah. What the Mannings do the best is they didn't even try to force watching the game. I mean, three minutes into it, once they realized it was just going to be a defensive weather bogged down slog, they kind of just gave up trying to force their guest into breaking the game down with them. By the time Marshawn was, you know, mentioning three shots of Hennessy and <laughs> cursing and saying shit, he literally said shit three times, like in the first six minutes he was on. It was fantastic. That's when I knew it was And like, they kept is- him on. God yeah. bless ESPN. I'm sure some... Some poor, some poor segment producer was pissing themselves somewhere in a back room in Bristol, Connecticut. They kept him on through the multiple S bombs that he drops, and then he says, "What the fuck?" on national television, and you got to yank him. <laughs> well, I mean, so, just a few weeks ago, Eli Manning was flipping everybody off, and now they're running promos of it. So you know what? They know it works too. Yeah, they know it works. They absolutely do because all. Okay, so I I try to gauge. I try to gauge reaction off like things like social media, Reddit, and that kind of thing. Reddit, it tends to gear towards a lot of the younger crowd, but when the entire Reddit subreddit NFL is filled with individual threads of clips of the Manning cast, that's when, you know, not only has ESPN nailed it, but that Steve Levy's got to be up right now, having a cup of coffee, just go with these motherfuckers. (laughs) This main broadcast is a pile of shit. Now, what do we do at ESPN? (laughs) Whoever, whoever is the Roman Roy of ESPN (laughs) two has nailed it. I mean, that's basically what it boils down to is that Logan Roy is running ESPN. He's hiring Steve Levy and all these losers that are on the Monday Night Football broadcast. Not easy. I and, like Steve and I like Lewis Riddick and I they're they not just all no. suck. They, they're great at what they used to do. They're okay. horrible at what they currently do. And so I think that whoever Roman Roy is at ESPN2 
did a good job. I mean, he's letting it roll. He knew exactly what he was getting with Marshawn Lynch, and you can you can't get Marshawn Lynch and then say, okay, you can't say anything, you can't say these words because you're not going to get anything out of Marshawn Lynch. That's exactly how you have to handle Marshawn Lynch. Look at this media elitist assuming that everybody has HBO Max and is up to date on the latest in succession, which if you're not, you're missing out. But yeah, see exactly. See, now I've just, just excluded HBO. half of your audience. Yeah, that's their fault. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it, we're just going to be the national media now. We're just not. I mean, if you're if you're not here to listen to about succession, you know, sorry, we're not going to talk about the Titans. We're going to talk about what we want to No, But <laughs> I I got to say what strikes me still as fascinating is that they've convinced guests to come on like Tom Brady, who is playing the Saints next week. Yeah. If there's anyone else in this league, and I'm jumping to a bit of a conclusion here, but if there's anyone in this league who you got to think is going to be guarded, superstitious even, about not wanting to give away anything about an upcoming game or an opponent or just how they play, you would think it's Tom Brady. But yet they've got this man on for upwards of 10 to 12 full minutes into the end of the first half at some point he makes a comment about you know i love zone schemes over the middle that that may not be a lot that may not that may be something that's out there that's kind of public but you've taken someone like tom brady and got him to open up uh, specifically about his current game that to me is what is the star of this show Now, now brady is hilarious but just the fact that you're able to get current NFL players who <laughs> obstantaneously are playing that opponent coming up the next week that's on TV in front of you, that to me is still mind-blowing. That's the most impressed I've been with Russell Wilson is on the Manning cast yes. because he was he was legitimately good and he was breaking down the coverages. And this was without the whatever seven-second delay that they had jacking up the conversations last night where it ended up sounding like Peyton was interrogating Tom Brady. And then Eli's <laughs> asking him, you know, how do you last until 44? And then just making subtle PED shots at him, which made me very, very happy to see. But like when they've done it with Stafford, when they've done it with every, basically everybody, every active NFL player, but Gronk, who's just like, yeah, I don't want, I don't watch film. Tom watches film for me, which I found utterly delightful. Um, it, it is good to see that because that's what we spent. What we spend at least as like local media members who cover an NFL team. It's what we spend all week trying to get them to talk to us about just so we can understand a little bit more what the hell is going on with the current with the team that we cover. And of course, they're never going to talk to us like that. It's why vehicles like and no pun intended vehicles, but busting with the boys is an effective tool because they are incredibly comfortable among their peers. And even if they're more guarded than they might be in a locker room setting or in a meeting room setting. You're getting just that little extra glimpse that harms absolutely nobody by having out there that helps you understand how these guys process and how these guys uh, approach their day-to-day work life in the season, which I think is such a, uh, such a unique thing. And then to have Peyton and Eli who are still very, very, adept at identifying things in real time, both what the offense and defense are doing and in without the rigid boundaries of Jim Nance guiding them to commercial break. I don't need all that. Some people do, and that's okay. But for the, for the rest of us that are just there to be entertained and not necessarily be told what the down and distance and how much time is left on the play clock, like that is the preferred method of consuming football for me um, as far as I'm concerned. The only thing I would like to see to tweak is 
obviously, and I don't even know how you phrase this in the broadcasting world, but the main crew is going to be set up on, you know, short 30, 60, 90 second talking points that they need to break out of at any point to go to a commercial when the network decides, oh, this is an injury timeout. It's a good time to work in, you know, a TV timeout. So I kind of wish they would make a setup to where the Manning cast could break every other commercial break. They could just go ahead and roll through this one because it's a TV timeout that was a little unscheduled and then have an agreement of, you know, the producers in their air saying, listen, the next time they go to break, we're going to have to follow it. That's the only thing because there, there are multiple times where like, Marshawn did it and then Brady did it where they're going off on a tangent and then Payne, you know, Peyton Manning has to like cut him off and roll to a commercial. I'm like, motherfucker, I wanted to hear what that, what he was about to say. Yeah. I mean, but that, I think, I think of all the rigidities that have to stay in place on a television broadcast, it's gotta be that because just yep. from an advertising standpoint, like you can't, you can't do away with that. It's why mm-hmm. like my commercial breaks on the radio show are like seven minutes long at this point. <laughs> like you, you have to, I mean, you have to pay off the people that make the product, not necessarily in the case of television, free for everybody to watch. But yeah, that's that's something that's not going to go anywhere. Look, would you sing an ad? Would I sing an ad? Mm-hmm. Uh, Someone came to me and I, said, we want Buck to sing a song. I, uh, I should know the Cars for Kids song by now because it sits in my head like... Uh, <laughs> Like, you know, I won't make that joke because I'm very grateful for cars for kids support. But. No, I'm not trying to get you to trash current advertiser. I know I should know the number. Like I hear this thing seven times. If you seven did, I will times. cut this podcast off. <laughs> yeah, I'm not singing. I'm not singing the cars for kids song, but no, that, that would be, that would be the only, uh, the only advertisement that I would be able to sing to you. And for the sake of your audience, this early in the morning, as we're recording this podcast, I will spare them of that. Zach, to shamelessly steal a segment from Buck's uh, show yesterday, what is the Titans fan base obsession with national media accepting them like a child bringing in a macaroni picture in the middle of adult drinky time? Well, what is Twitter other than a form of looking for acceptance and admiration? I mean, every everything. This is a society of attention whores, and this is all it is, is that it's just a I mean, look at the three of us. Buck is is an attention whore. He's wearing a bathrobe. He wants to be he wants to be talked about wearing a bathrobe. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. This doesn't you told me the video doesn't go out. I literally walked I got out of bed and walked in here to Only sit down and an do attention your whore wears a bathrobe. So, on top of that, he has his own radio show, then he has a podcast, then he has a nightly show, and then he goes on Sundays and does shows and he writes New articles podcast. all about him, 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 him. He's an attention whore. Look at us. We started a podcast because we thought people wanted to hear us talk about fantasy football and it went to Tennessee Titans football and it worked. And, you know, we get we're the most popular fantasy or Tennessee Titans podcast uh, in the in the world. I would say <laughs> we're global. Yes. So it, it's it's all about attention whores. That's all these these people want. They want to feel accepted by big NFL groups, the popular kids at the table and blah, blah, blah. Is what I'll say. Who gives a flying fuck? And that's just how I've always lived my life. When you don't care, it's like when you were trying, when you, this is a dating move, right? When you don't care about a significant other, or, you know, when you're in the first few stages of dating or you're out at a bar or something trying to get that person, you just ignore them and it works. <laughs> they come crawling to you and we should just ignore the national media 
and not worry about it because eventually they're just going to have to start talking about the Tennessee Titans. Look, they're going to talk about the Bills and the Chiefs losing more than they're going to talk about the Titans winning because that's what the market dictates. Newsflash, Nashville and the fans that follow the Tennessee Titans were not a big enough market for them to give a shit about us. There, there's just no way around it. It's, it's, it's gonna. It's like when the Titans were going 13 and 0, 13 and uh, that undefeated season for a little bit. They barely talked about the Tennessee Titans, and I, I was in Memphis at the time, so I know what the national media was talking about. Not really the Tennessee Titans, and it's going to continue. If you want respect, go to 104.5 The Zone and listen to uh. I don't know, listen to 3HL or listen to Blaine and Mickey. Uh, listen to J. Martin Ramon. Listen to those radio shows. Don't listen to any other radio shows. Listen to those three. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, listen, I, uh, they, are all, uh, they are all very different shows, and I would say that you would enjoy uh, all of them for very different reasons. But, like, just to, just to kind of – just to kind of – play devil's advocate, which I did not think I'd be fucking doing for, for something that I detest and despise, especially coming off yet another clip of Shannon Sharp thinking that Greg Landry was an offseason acquisition for the Tennessee Titans when Harold no, I, I Landry is second in the league in sacks. Yeah. You think that somebody would tell this man, and I love Uncle Shannon. I'm a big, it's the only reason that that show still exists is because Shannon Sharp is a shooting star and and calling Julio Jones on air in what is a clear broadcast uh, legislative violation um, during the course of free agency. It's a delight, but like, I, I get why fans are pissed about it because it's not just, Hey, I want to turn on get up or good morning football or any of these programs. The, the day after a Titans win, and I want to hear about my football team. They just want them to get the damn names right. It's not Kevin Bayard. It's not Greg Landry. It's not that Taylor Lewan plays for the damn Buffalo Bills. They just want people to know that they exist, not even talk about them and dissect what they're doing well or how far they've come or what John Robinson and Mike Vrabel have done over the past three, uh, three years and change. They just want them to get the damn names right. The closest people that you're going to get to, and I know, listen, I do agree with that. I think if you're in this professional sports casting business, you should get a name fucking right. And the there's right. no, there's no diff, there's no oops. I kind of mispronounced it uh, when it comes to Greg and Harold. Those are two completely different names. He just doesn't know who he is. <laughs> yeah. And then the fact that he, you know, at that point, why not just say Landry? Why do you have to try to go for the 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 first name if you really don't know it? Just, I mean, it, it's a it's a sports trick. If you don't know the first name or you don't really know the team, just say the last name. It's 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 there on your screen, probably on your notes somewhere. If you're looking for some respect, I think the closest people you're going to find is Diana Rossini. I think it's going to be the Good Morning Football Crew, and it's going to be. Um, Oh, Marcus Spears. I think those are the three people or the three sets of people that are going to give the Titans a little bit of credit and a little bit of respect. Now, they're not going to go out of their way to pick. There, there's no reason that anybody in the national media, when they do these pickums, should have picked the Tennessee Titans over the Buffalo Bills. Now, oh. I think the Chiefs is a little bit different, but there's no reason for it. 
you got to be honest with yourselves. You can't get all pissy when uh, clearly a better team, which was the Buffalo Bills heading into that game, is getting picked to win that game. It's it's life. Life, life is like that. But it, you're you're not just not going to get the respect because nobody other, outside of basically the Tennessee Titans fan base gives a flying fuck about the Tennessee Titans. I've I've come to terms with it. Just is how it is. Memphis, the Memphis radio stations chose the Dallas Cowboys over the Tennessee Titans to play their games live on their radio stations. Nobody gives a fuck about the Tennessee Titans. Just what it is. All right, before uh, before I turn things over back over to you, Lebowski, there's a funny story about you know why why would uh, why would Shannon Sharp bother to try and get the first name of Harold Landry? Correct. I had a I had a moment like that a couple of weeks ago on the radio show where some White Sox fan got called in after after the White Sox got eliminated during the baseball season. I have no idea what's happening during the fucking baseball season other than the Braves went to the World Series right after the Vols game on Saturday night. So this guy calls in. It's I think it was like the dumbest thing in sports. The fact that the White Sox got eliminated. I'm like and I'm like pulling. I'm desperately like Googling what the hell happened in the White Sox game the night before, because for whatever reason, I got to show this guy that I know what's happening. In the world of baseball, I start talking about the series or whatever, and then all of a sudden, I'm in the I'm in the middle of this analysis, and Lucas is saying to me, "No, you fuck in my ear while I'm talking. No, you fucking idiot. They got eliminated last night. Shut it down. Move on. You don't know anything about baseball." <laughs> all while I'm trying to fake my way through baseball analysis. So there is that weird need for people who talk into microphones to make people think they know everything, and it's impossible to know everything. I I know. I try. I have a three hour mostly solo radio show thank god lucas is there to break things up and and you know at least give our radio show a little more likability because god knows that it's not coming from me but uh that that is something that i think everybody has experienced at one point in their broadcasting career okay buck that reminds me this is completely off topic who was the free agent a couple of weeks ago that we were all speculating about you're speculating about on live air you started playing a taped segment with will compton so oh, you could God. listen to the titans press conference and this trade happens in the middle of that tape segment where you're just pontificating about how the titans could acquire him i cannot remember who it was but it was damn stefan gilmore and it wasn't was so it. i could listen to the titans press conference i drove to saint thomas i said all right here's oh, what we're shit. gonna do we're gonna get it. We're gonna we're gonna get this whole hour and a half done. All right, I'm gonna come in at seven o'clock. We're gonna make sure this radio show is buttoned up. We had no idea that the acoustics in the green room were that bad, so it sounded like I was talking into a tin can for half of the radio show, just so I could go because I knew Julio was gonna practice. Somebody tipped me off that Julio Jones was gonna practice. I was like, damn it, I want to go and be there and see what's going on because it's really limited my ability to be at practice every day and really any day outside of Fridays at this point because of uh and Kaharski used to have this problem too but Kaharski had the other two so that he could leave during the show and then come back and tell him what was going on at Titans practice and and it's really kind of you can't leave because Lucas is going to take your job well, that and also Stefan Gilmore might get traded for a sixth round pick. And in the middle of me pontificating about how, yeah, you know, the Titans could really use some help in the secondary. And I got it right, by the way, we did get traded up, traded to the Titans. He ended up going to Carolina for a sixth round pick, but it happened literally as I was pulling into the parking lot or as I was walking up to Mark, Mike Vrabel's press conference, I got a text said, where the hell are you from my boss? Because we didn't necessarily tell him that we were going to do that. And then I had to go right back. <laughs> 
No, it, just, I just, it's it, not, not to try to put our podcast on the same parallel as your show, but that happened to us, especially in, in off season and in preseason, we would record this damn thing on Tuesday. We had to start recording it in the middle, late middle of the week sometimes because it would never fail. We'd release this podcast like speculating about, I don't know, I'll make something up, Julio Jones. And then by the time it comes out, Julio Jones is a Tennessee Titan and we're like debating whether or not he's going to be. And it's like, well, right. fuck you for just ruining an hour of that. Yeah, no, I, I started, I got, I ended up, we ended up moving the 615 for, for that reason. It comes out on Fridays after the last Titans practice. Now, after we have the injury reports physically in our hands, because you know I can, I can deal with it on the live radio show. It's, it's once it's out there, it's done. It's, you know, you've moved on to the next thing. And primetime is a totally different animal. The Cosell podcast is a little more evergreen that way, depending on one player might be ruled out throughout the course of the week that, that we talked about, but it's never that big a deal. But I, I straight up had to move 615 to Fridays after the final injury report just to avoid this issue. And honestly ended up working better from a from a number standpoint. So that that uh, uh not not to tell you guys how to do your programming, but that that worked wonders for me. <laughs> we okay, so we're about 25 minutes into this podcast and we've yet to talk about the Titans. Now who's eh, the national media It's kind who's of a boring the national game. media. Now it was a kind of a boring game. I'm not going to lie to you. We were kind what? of bored in the press box. It, it was, was a boring game. Yeah. I mean, they, it was done by halftime and I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to have for dinner after I get through these and what, how, how again, we're going to ask Derek. Always Henry, thinking oh, you're about really food. good at this. Thinking about food in yourself. What a that's, fucking whore. I can sympathize. <laughs> That's been a, that's been a pandemic trend, boys. I'm, I can sympathize. There's nothing worse than eating lunch. Going, what do I want for dinner? And then that's when you have to push back and realize, okay, dude, like, what are we doing? I've literally got a plate full of press box food in front of me, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I could I could probably do some uh, I could probably do some some sunda or some sushi for dinner or something like that. That sounds good. Yeah, that, I mean, it was kind of a boring game. I won't lie to you. Okay, let me but, ask you this before we get into the game. Yeah, uh, who Julio Jones? Is it an injury issue? Is it a preservation issue? Why is he not playing more snaps? I mean, like, what is Both. your your take on that? Both. Both. No, that's that's what they're doing. Now, they won't cop to it publicly. Yeah. Um, but that's what they're doing. Like, for example, this is the second time that it's happened, right, since he's been back and available to them for at least the start of a game. Um, and you saw him, you, you'll see him skipping around after a, after a player kind of skipping to the sideline a little bit, favoring one leg over the other, because he's still working through some stuff. So I, I don't, I don't know exactly how many snaps he played total in the uh, second half. I think it was half. 30, 29 it, total yesterday in the second half. Oh, not in the second half. I don't know in the second yeah. half. No. Cause I, 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 Luke Worsham said he saw him out there at some point in the third quarter. I did not recall that. Because all I kept doing was looking down at the sideline, seeing him standing by Rob Moore twice, right? Wide receivers coach Rob Moore twice when they called a specific personnel set to go out onto the field. Julio tried to go, and Rob Moore twice physically pulled him by his arm back to the sideline <laughs> and said, No, 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 this is not what we're doing. We don't need you right now. We're up 27 to three on the Kansas City Chiefs, and we're just trying to kill clock. At this point, which is basically what they did in the second half. Is they went he getting control. pissed on the sidelines? I don't know that he's getting pissed. I'm sure he wants to play. I mean, he's still a competitive. Yeah, uh, he's yeah. still a highly competitive athlete. But ultimately, the preservation of Julio Jones is going to be critical against much better teams than the Kansas City Chiefs. Like I came away from that game and I did, you know, I thought that the, I thought that it was an infinitely winnable game 
for Tennessee. I talked right, about right. it on the pregame show. There's a lot of way. There's a lot of reasons why it was a bad matchup for a bad Kansas City defense. Um, but you need him later in the season. You're going to need him against Jalen Ramsey on Sunday Night Football in two weeks. You're going to need him to make sure that you can keep this stranglehold on the AFC South that they're currently riding over. You need to preserve him down the stretch because he's not going to. He's not going to be the outright difference in you winning the Super Bowl or not. But damn sure he can help you, and you need him to last the way that Julio Jones typically doesn't last. God knows it's been a long time since the Falcons have seen the postseason. So they're having to structure this thing in a way that's a lot different from any other time in his career. Yeah, it's a smart move. But we got asked the question last night, me and Mike did, and we both were on the same page, is that you got to preserve. I'd rather have him available later on down the road when it matters than in a game against Kansas City because, like you said, Kansas City going in this game is not – it's not the quality win – that no. everyone wants to make it out to be. It's a great win. How they won is 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 better than who they beat. Sure. Um, and I try and I said, you know, it doesn't really matter about who. The reason I ask if you if you could tell if he's mad on the sidelines, because I got people in the 300 section on Twitter telling everybody with their followers, which they shouldn't have many followers because they're worthless accounts out there. Don't follow um, or shame people. Don't yeah. do that. I haven't even cracked 2,000. I've been on Twitter since fucking Moses, part of the Red Sea. I don't <laughs> hear it. But they, they're they saying that, oh, Julio's pissed on the sidelines. You can see it. You're in the 300 section. Can you really tell if Julio's – I mean, they're ants. You're, if you I don't can't bring my, tell. If I don't bring my glasses, I can't see what's happening from sweet level. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, it's really – so I appreciate the, uh, the Twitter scouts because this is like – so I was in the in the press box for for people. I don't know if this is too inside baseball, but it goes Tehran, Glennon, Kaharski, Rex Road, me, and then everybody else is kind of scattered around us. And so we're just you know we're we're chirping, we're talking shit the entire game while watching the game, making our notes and all these things. And Rex Road is asking us, "Hey, did anybody see what happened?" Uh, I think I, I can't remember if it was. Kendall Lamb that he was saying, or if it was Julio that he was saying, but he was citing some dude on Twitter who had sent him a tweet. We just look at him like, what the hell are you talking about? Why are you getting your injury reports for Twitter when the people who designate the injuries are literally sitting right behind us and haven't said a damn <laughs> word about this thing? It's just, it's, it's, it's mind numbing how this continues to be a thing. And it's not just you or people on Twitter. It's professional media members who should know better, but are getting duped by, you know, Sam zero five, seven, six, seven, three, four. Hey, don't, don't be shaming my uh, burner. So did you get to rewatch the broadcast at all buck and see Derek Henry sitting on the sidelines at the end of the game? If you just took that little segment and watched it, if you turned on the game at that point, you'd be like, Oh my God, the Titans have lost. This yeah. man was visibly irked that he did not crack a hundred yards or I say score a touchdown. It made me laugh this morning when I pulled up the stat sheet and I forgot that he threw for a touchdown. Here he is on the passing list, one for one, five yards and a touchdown. But he was irked. It got to him. Well, and that was something because I, I I did watch I did watch the TV copy back, but I typically watch it on mute just because I know what's going to happen. Um, or I'll do or I'll watch the uh, the can the condensed version on Game Pass because the beautiful thing about Game Pass is they can put Mike Keith and Coach Mack over the television copy which is just a revelation. Um, but I, so I did, I did see that moment that you're describing. 
but not in real time because we're getting ready to walk to the to the media availability area under the stadium. They'll bring like seven or eight guys out to what they call a fence line outside the locker room because we don't go in the locker room anymore. Um, and then they'll have four or five dudes, quarterback, running back, um, Vrabel and player X who had a big game. They'll do that at the podium in the main auditorium. So um, um, we're getting ready for Derek because Derek's always the last one of the, the afternoon to go. And I had got, I had been told that, yeah, this may not go terribly well. He's not in a great mood. And so I'm, you know, and he does this, him and Vrabel are always the most pissy after they win, which is inexplicable to me. And listen, he had his least efficient rushing day. And they're looking at that second half performance and being like, yeah, we probably could have kicked their ass by 27 more if we had legitimately kept our foot on their throats, the way that Mike Vrabel, I'm sure wanted to, and Derrick Henry wanted to. And all these things, because that's so that whole second half is supposed to be Derrick Henry time, right? And he still got 29 catches, but they weren't necessarily efficient with it because they're out there trying to block people the damn Bobby Hart. Respectfully, he's not Taylor Lewan. Um, so you know, I had I had heard that Derek wasn't in the best mood, and then I was pleasantly surprised because he was great in his media availability, which is kind of a, a, a form of professional growth that we've seen, but yeah, I mean, he's he's trying to be the first running back to not just do 1500 yards after a 2000 yard season. He's trying to he's trying to get back to 2K and that, you know, it, what it ended up being. It was like 80, 89, 86 yards 86. for Derrick Henry. Yeah. yeah. 29 attempts, 86 yards in a long of 11 and a three uh, three yard per carry average. So not his lowest yards per carry average on the season. And, and for a perfectionist, especially one who prides themselves on that kind of ability if even if it's not outright efficiency yeah i understand why he was a little uh a little salty afterwards but they got the win and ultimately that's all that matters playing kansas sold out to stop him like there are several plays where there's just a sea of red just yeah. overtaking derrick henry and he can't move and there was a couple of plays that he almost broke off except for uh, i think one of them he got tripped up by ben jones of all people um yeah. so I understand the frustration that he had, but, you know, Kansas City really paid for it by going all out on the run, stopping the run, because the Titans did play action uh, 40% of the time is their second highest mark of the of the season, and were they rocked it. And so, you know, if you're – this is this was the game where you saw finally a team try to stop Derrick Henry – and they got they got just absolutely punished in the passing game by uh, Ryan Tannehill's efficiency to AJ Brown to a couple of the other guys off the play action, which is exact. This was the bread and butter win for the Tennessee Titans. They won with play action, the run, a good mix of play action, the run game, and defense with Greg Maven of all people just absolutely shutting them down and that's credit to the defensive line for sure i mean well, the defensive line Danico autry is a revelation he is he has probably been their most uh their best acquisition or their most effective acquisition uh from any of the people julio jones bud dupree included that they've been able to add to this football team and like listen like credit credit greg maben and credit Dane Crookshank. I mean, yeah. oh, Crookshank a, was great. They played a fantastic game, and we we make jokes uh, in the in the press box about Greg Maven being patient zero from last year's yep. COVID outbreak, and patient zero kicked ass on uh, 
on on Sunday against uh, against Tyreek Hill and and Crookshank doing the same against Travis Kelsey. Like this was a, and and it helps that the fact that Mahomes' offensive line is outright awful. I think that's the worst game that they've played so far on the season, and they were already pretty shaky as far as pass protection was concerned. Uh, the the interior of that offensive line looked as bad as it's looked all season long, and and Mahomes was was not able to at any point get comfortable, which you can credit both to a bad offensive line in front of him um, and to a Titans defense that's playing really high-level football. If you're looking for anybody to retain their health right now, it's that front seven because that can be a key to you making a deep playoff run if you can just hold some of these incredible quarterbacks down. Yeah, it's it's definitely the, – the big test, I think, is going to be against the L.A. Rams because sure. that offensive line – did get a little bit of harassed on run plays against the Detroit Lions of all teams. Detroit Lions came out and played really well. They do against, that, and then they and lose. Uh, I feel bad for man camp. They're not as bad as everybody wants to make them make them out to be. But, I mean, you're talking about a team that is from the outside linebackers defensive line, second in the NFL in sacks, and second in the NFL in total pressures. I mean, that's, that's crazy. And... Yeah. There, it's just such a huge turnaround from what it was in 2020. And I think Danico Autry's the piece. I think Bud Dupree getting healthier is going to be massive. I know people wanted Bud Dupree already cut and, you know, this whole staff fired and all this they other get fired crazy overreactions. Those are the same people that are telling you Julio Jones is pissed from the 300 levels. I don't yeah, care yeah. about Yeah, they're idiots. Yeah. And, cloud uh, floats by, float by at eye level. <laughs> but... I, I just I'm just so impressed week in and week out, even in the the losses uh, by Danico Autry. You just can't you can't take your eyes off of him because now offenses have to plan for Danico, Harold Landry, and Jeffrey Simmons, and now they're going to have to plan for Bud Dupree. Those guys are providing the time for the defensive backs like Greg Maben and. Um, gosh, who else they put out there that was, uh, well, Jack Rabbit and then Elijah Molden. They're providing those guys extra help by getting to the quarterback and harassing them. So a lot of that is, it's just so symbiotic. This is exactly what they talked about all last, all offseason or all during the regular season in 2020 was all you heard was we were just not, we just don't have the personnel to do what we want to do in the defensive backfield. And that's why, you know, they everybody was getting burnt because we couldn't see the Tennessee Titans ever get any kind of pressure on the opposing quarterback. And when they did, they they just whiffed like in that Cincinnati Bengals game. So or right, Wyatt Ray and yeah. our skipper and the, the corpse of Brooks Reed at the end of the road for him. That was the sad, sad Green Bay Packers game. Yeah. So to me, this is just it's just been such a revelation. And, and I think that this is trending to be the best defensive line the Tennessee Titans have ever had as long as everybody can stay healthy and that's they are this that's the most important part I think to this team is that defensive line slash outside linebackers the big three in my opinion are Harold Landry Danico Autry Jeffrey Simmons they need to stay healthy yeah no I would 100% agree with that so our retired colleague who decides to turn into like foul mouth pissed off Stephen King. Uh, the second he retires, his writing on Twitter gets better and he's more angry 
which I like and wanted more of when he was actually still around with us. Um, <laughs> he put out, and I can't find the tweet, so I'm just going to paraphrase, but he essentially said that this Colts game coming up is it's still a damn important game it because is. if they win, they essentially shut down the division, but if they lose, the Colts are just a game back and you, you're going to let them linger. I would even kind of echo something that one of our colleagues said with Easton about that the Colts game to me looks to be possibly more difficult than the Chiefs game. And I, I'll go back at just a second ago to where you were saying it, it was kind of a boring game. From a fan standpoint, fans are always going to love watching a beating. If sure. Jake Paul finally catches some heat and he's getting his ass kicked for an entire boxing match, that's essentially what you're watching here, right? You're, you're giving the fans what they want. But I argue that this Colts game is probably one of the most important games they're going to play this season. If they pull back off the throttle now and lose to the Colts, it's just going to, I think it's going to demoralize the fan base a little bit, but it's not a good look and it's not great for the team. You're just going to keep the Colts in it. Well, to their credit, I mean, and listen, Carson Wentz has thrown some horrendous interceptions and has had some Carson Wentz-ish moments um, so far this season, but to their credit, they're doing a lot of this. Uh, they're doing a lot of this for themselves. Now their schedule through this four game stretch that the mm -hmm. Titans are having to slog through the Colts schedule is a, a lot easier with the, the Texans and a, and a linger or a, a languishing rather 49ers team on Sunday night football. They've got the jets coming up. So we'll see how that goes with this Titans game mixed in between those. Um, it, it is the India is not as bad as certainly I made them out to be at the start of the season because their defense, their defensive front is still hugely effective. Their secondary is not great. And losing Savior Rhodes before that 49ers game in pregame warmups like Taylor Lewan in Seattle, um, that certainly hurts them. That'll be something to keep an eye on as we get closer to this game on Halloween. But uh, this is going to be an infinitely tougher game. For the Tennessee Titans, it's a road game. It's the first time uh, that they will see um, this Colts team since they've kind of found their stride a little bit offensively. And it felt like in the second half of that Colts game here in Nashville in what was that week three, uh, Frank Reich was doing things even with Carson Wentz on two bum ankles that was allowing them to move the ball efficiently because they weren't just stopping on third down if they got stopped. They continued to keep drives alive with fourth and shorts, fourth and one, fourth and two, fourth and three, to kind of find ways to keep a hold on this thing. And that's that's the case with a lot of smart NFL football teams at this point. You're not just limiting yourself to third down. You're trying to find a way to be efficient on the money downs as well. And I, I don't have to tell uh, Zach, who's an Alabama fan, about what that can look like when you choke in that moment and Tennessee doesn't go for it on a fourth and one. And then the rest of the game spirals and you find yourself losing uh, by a 28 to seven margin in the final 19 minutes of what's been largely a one score football game on Saturday. I look at me smiling. He's just post coital after Alabama just puts it on Tennessee over the let weekend. Me, but let me say something. Never worried. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I don't know. First half kind of spicy. First half kind of spicy. Yeah. I I was low key hoping that it would be a blowout because I was hoping to enjoy my Saturday night. And then I looked at my girlfriend and I said, "Oh, we're gonna have to actually watch this game." And she just immediately stared at me like she was gonna leave me. So <laughs> if that ever that ever happens, it was because of sports. Let that be known. <laughs> Zach, are, are we are we wrong about the Colts game? Is it more important or less important? No, it's it's super important. You know, there, there are people saying that, oh, maybe the Titans should rest Roger Saffold. 
No. Oh my God. Like, give me, give me a break. I mean, against Denise you- Autry. Or yeah. not against uh, DeForest Buckner. Yeah, you got that. You have to win this game because the Colts have a decidedly pretty easy schedule. Now, the Titans do too, but the Colts have a decidedly pretty easy schedule. You want to win this game to just keep them out of the division. They can come into the wild card spot all, the, all you want. You do not want them to creep in to be in the conversation for the divisional championship. And that in that home playoff spot, that would be embarrassing for this team. This team has to go out and put basically their throats down on these Colts players and just let them know that their time is over. Titans time is now. It is time for them to take over and be a dominant force. And you you can't you can't rest players and all this stuff. You you can pitch them on a snap count if you want or whoever it may be. Saffold should not be that player. You, you need all the offensive line help that you can get because this defensive front is pretty good. No, they're better than pretty good. They're, they still, they still to me, losing Autry for them makes a massive difference. And if you're looking for any win for the Titans over the Colts, that may be the biggest one all, all season is the fact that they just don't have him making life easier for DeForest Buckner up front. But uh, yeah, this, I mean, the, the Bills game and the Chiefs game, at least from my perspective, they didn't mean nearly as much as what this game means for a team that can end end their end their divisional race basically before November 1st. Radio announcers had a fantastic weekend, starting with Mike Keith. Did a Chiefs fan turn around and yell to the radio booth for the Chiefs announcers that that's Mike, basically essentially that's Mike Keith, put some respect on his damn name? So I'm going to read the exact tweet from uh, Brad Willis, who is now the executive director of the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame and former program director of uh, 104.5 The Zone. True story. Today, after a big play, a fan, a Titans fan in front of the radio booth turns around and yells at the Chiefs radio team. That's Mike fucking Keith. Don't <laughs> act like you don't fucking hear me. It's <laughs> just a picture of Mike fist bumping in the air and Coach Mack applauding a fan down below. Now, I don't know if that's real time because Brad sits if that's just a stock photo that Brad has of those two on his phone because I Brad sits between them during the games unless a fan took that and sent it to Brad. But yeah, that's Mike fucking Keith. Don't act like you fuck you don't fucking hear me from a Titans fan to the Chiefs radio team. All right. So that reminds me of this. Uh Right, right before the pandemic, Titans are you know in the in the uh, in the playoff season, running for uh, the Super Bowl. They go to Baltimore, right? The infamous yep. Baltimore game that just beat the absolute socks off of them. Yep. I'm sitting in the stands, mid level in Baltimore. Never been to Baltimore. I'm just praying I don't get stabbed. This crowd is they're furious. They want to they kill anything happy. with Titans gear on. <laughs> As the game starts to get out of hand. And, and Ravens fans are collectively losing their shit. This lady behind me yells after a big Derrick Henry run. Now, who the hell is this? And a Ravens fan who is like upset, but wants to correct this insolent fan on how dare you disrespect the NFL rushing leader says that's Derrick fucking Henry's the NFL fucking rushing leader. He's furious. Like I haven't even explained it to this other <laughs> fan of who's stomping them in the ground. Two plays later, Derrick Henry throws a very similar touchdown pass to the back of the end zone and she loses it. The, the crowd audibly groans and she goes, now this motherfucker's throwing touchdown passes. And I'm just like, I'm trying to find a way to cheer and not like get killed 
But I just, it was that I will never forget that moment for the rest of my life is that they were so fed up by the fact that this man's running all over him and now he's throwing touchdown passes. Well, Put some respect he, on his name. <laughs> he did that. He did that uh, as the first as the first player to throw a touchdown pass between Patrick Mahomes, Ryan Tannehill, and Chad Henney on Sunday. He ended with a higher quarterback rating than all three, all four, uh, or all three of the other people who attempted a pass uh, throughout the course of that game because MVP is a quarterback award. So fuck you guys. I'm going to throw a touchdown pass, and that's exactly <laughs> what he did. Buck, you played the audio yesterday. And I know Zach has seen this clip as well. Speaking of the Ravens, a Ravens fan tried to, or a Ooh. fan tried to crawl into the Ravens radio announcer's booth and get a drink live on the air. And the radio announcer started going, what are you doing? What are you doing? And she said she was a veteran who was looking for a drink. How do you deal with that? Like how, how do you, well, like that's happened to me on a regular basis. What do you mean? How do I deal with that? I have no I, I just like, how in the hell would you keep your composure? I, I mean, I feel like my first instinct would be to start swinging. I swear to God, the funniest part of that clip is that the play-by-play guy kept calling the game. Like it yeah. remind me who's the disgraced former Reds, uh, oh. Reds announcer. Tom. Um, <laughs> is it Tom Brenneman? I don't want to, there's, yeah. there's a Brenneman in there. I don't want to accuse the wrong Brenneman of being, uh, of being anti-gay on, uh, on, on live air, the way that, uh, the way that this one was, but he's somehow he finds his way after using a, an anti-gay slur on live air. Somehow he finds his way still on the broadcast and somebody let him make an apology in real time. And while he's making his apology, saying that he's a good Christian and people who know him know that he's not like that, even though literally hundreds of thousands of people have just heard him be exactly like that. He calls a home run in the middle of the apology. And I'm just sitting there like, is this so sacred to you that you can't just take a second and apologize for the atrocity that you've just committed on live air? And and not and not acknowledge that Nick Castellanos has just hit a home run to the uh, to to left center field. Like the idea that the play by play announcer just keeps calling the game as this zombie hand is probably rising up from the lower bowl of M and T Bank Stadium, grabbing onto the ledge of the broadcast booth and trying to lift herself up uh, like some kind something out of uh, World War Z. That is laugh out loud funny to me. We, the so only. The only th- the only time I've ever been close to something like that is there was a couple of a couple of drunk chicks somehow managed to find their way into the press box. I think this was before I think this was before the Colts game this year in week three. And they physically had to be escorted out of the press box. I don't know how they got in there. I don't know whose whose guests they were. But, yeah, that was the that was the closest that uh, that I've ever come. And that was, you know, still within 100 feet of me, not like literally in my face as I'm trying to call a football game. This whole thing with women saying that they're a veteran and screaming this out loud is some kind of trend because, what? yeah, so I saw earlier this week that someone at a Sam's Club or Costco threw a big scene and they were talking about, I'm a veteran, and they're announcing calling for a manager. And apparently this happened just a few days earlier with someone else. So, and it was a woman as well. So it seems to me that this is some weird new trend where people, where women are, causing the scene and using the either the excuse or the reason that they are allowed to cause the scene is that they're a veteran. Now think, this like, is a little, because it happened three times and now in the span of a week. 
think that's just an I don't think that's attributing any kind of a trend to uh, to the female sex and those who would cause problems in Sam's Club, Costco, press boxes or otherwise. I think that's just bad timing. Must be. I mean, that is that is some weird coincidental timing. Lebowski, what the fuck am I supposed to do with that? What am I supposed I to do? I don't know. I, feel we've I just, I'm every- just saying I think it's like a TikTok trend or something. You're big into TikTok. The TikTok trend. <laughs> You're big into TikTok. So Buck is a big TikToker. Big, I love TikTok. big Jackson Mahomes fan over here. I'm a big fan. Buck, how I, I brought this up the other day in chat. There's not really an exit strategy for the conversation other than just to bring up. How much of a pain in the ass do you think Mahomes' family is to him? Like, the, the, okay, have you watched? Um, have you watched? Um, what is the damn soccer show that everybody Ted, loves? Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. I have Where seen Ted one Lasso. Of the so- soccer. One of the soccer players is having to go to the team and request tickets for his dad, and it's just a pain in the ass. He's having to. It's a, obviously he's had to do this a bunch of times. That's what I imagine that. Mahomes has to do every week because it by like Wednesday his head just falls and he's like okay I need sideline passes for Jackson my <laughs> wife to film Jackson and my mother to go crazy and tweet a lot of crazy political stuff can we uh oh uh, can we get them that and make sure they're at the airport on time like literally I feel like he I, I'm I'm assuming but I feel like he probably has to babysit this traveling ringling brother shit show he's got with him every game yeah you know i mean but at least and and i don't i don't know anything about the personal life or the family dynamic of patrick mahomes so let me not recklessly speculate but i do i do think that on a scale of of professional athletes he probably it's probably one of the less toxic situations that a professional athlete has to deal with because you know i mean at the end of the day is the jackson mahomes thing irritating to opposing fans sure and uh, yeah it's it it bothers them i don't really care about it i think it's funny as somebody who shamelessly you know gives their entire life over for the sake of getting clicks of people that they'll probably never meet in their life and that they you know that, that don't actually like them though the way that people in media want people to like them i appreciate the fact that jackson mahomes can do a silly ass tiktok dance on the sideline of a game that doesn't even last the full time of the full song it looks like he half-assed his way through a tiktok and still got thirty-one thousand or forty thousand likes out of it so respect to him but like things like you want to talk about a titans example of that Man, Eric Decker and Jesse James Decker, the, oh. the yeah. I, I that is the worst one that I've physically seen in my life. And from a much, much worse standpoint, because and, and I, I don't know them personally, just that one year that he spent in Tennessee. For example, this was the season that Kaepernick started kneeling. This was the Titans and the Seahawks game. Both teams chose not to come out of the locker room. Uh, for the national anthem out of solidarity for one another. And Jesse James Decker gets on social media because at the time she's trying to push a, f- uh, a country album and you can't have an un-American husband trying to push a, uh, a country fo- a country album and says, oh, my husband was an unwilling participant in this. He was, uh, this was not his decision. The team made the decision for him. We believe in the flag, yada, 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 blah, 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 blah. America, fuck yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, all of these things, and it creates this. It creates a situation where post game after the Titans beat the Seahawks, we're having to ask Mike Malarkey about, hey, <laughs> yeah. So uh, Decker's wife is on social media talking about how you basically held them hostage in the locker room 
for this particular moment. Is that in fact the case? And Mike Malarkey, ever the uh, ever the stand up comedian, especially at the end where he's screaming about not having the support of ownership or the front office after he beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Mike Malarkey just stares at you with dead eyes and says, yeah, I don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> so that those are much worse situations than Jackson Mahomes doing TikToks or uh, the future Brittany, I believe her name, Brittany Mahomes, screaming about Patrick. Is, is it worse than dancing on someone's number that is uh, dead and being honored that day? <sighs> okay, well, did I mean did the Washington football team do a whole lot better to respect the uh, the the departed Sean Taylor? They may does as that, well. Does that matter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on a scale on a scale of doing bad shit to, uh, on a day where you're supposed to be honoring dead people. Yeah, it matters that you put the street that you're naming does after it matter in front of the, the porta potties and making his family take pictures in front of. Yeah, it, it matters. But does it matter in the vein of Jackson Mahomes' situation? Like, does that, oh, does that suddenly know. like, oh, that's okay that Jackson Mahomes did that? Respect. Okay, so uh, and I and I mean this as respectfully as as humanly possible. What year did Sean Taylor die? Does like, anybody? Oh, I think it was maybe. Yeah, I it was. I was still even. in college. 2007. Okay. Yeah. Jackson Mahomes is, is how old I was in seventh grade in 2007. Jackson Mahomes has to be younger than me. Right. Uh, so there's almost zero chance that he had any idea who Sean Taylor was. And that, that particular space of the field that he was dancing on uh, is it was going to be problematic for him. So, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I don't, I know people don't want to cut him slack. I don't really care. I just think it was a bad moment from somebody who didn't know better. And it just happened to be on a day where everybody was disrespecting the uh, the uh, departed Sean Taylor and his just happened to be, you know, also while his brother beat down their football team. All right, Buck, I played a little game with you before the uh, show. We'll play another game with you now. How many albums do you think Jesse James Decker has released? <laughs> oh, uh, it's been a long time. It has to have been. I don't know how the sales went. The last time around, what that have been 2017. I will say that Jesse James Decker has released three albums in her career. What is the actual number? She has released seven. Oh, oh, <laughs> is and now they they're mixed between titles and extended plays, but they're essentially full albums of songs. She's either remixed or whatever. Seven albums. I think one of them has sold over fifty thousand copies. Like, at what point do you not? Have have to look in the mirror and go maybe this isn't working out <laughs> well listen and she's made a she's made a very successful career turn i know a lot of people who work for her at Kit kittenish they're in the gulch and they're expanding so she she made her pivot uh it just took you know seven seven albums of uh of her remixing old town road to figure out that that this is probably not the career path for me Buck, does Nashville need to get rid of transportainment vehicles, including hot tub, herpes, tractors, and whatever else they've got rolling around downtown? <laughs> um, you know, I, I saw, and and thank God that somebody is finally doing something from a legislative perspective to just 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 regulate them. Like you don't have to get rid of them. I think they're I think they're a big attraction. And I've never I've done I've done a pedal tavern. In that, in fact, I think I did a pedal tavern with Midday One Eighty. Like long. This was several years ago. Uh, they invited me to go. I had a great time. I'd never done a pedal tavern before. They're a lot of fun. And so I'm sure that the that the the Music City party tub where the birthplace of the coronavirus likely uh, likely happened. And, and or Chipotle uh, on Metro Center. Yeah. <laughs> How 
I'll get is Jimmy Wyatt for tweeting out that AJ Brown is eating some chief Poultle during that game. That is just a dad, a 10 out of 10 dad joke. God love Jim for that. But yeah, you know, I don't have a problem with the transportainment. I, they sometimes make my commute uh, to Midtown where the, where the radio station is a little more difficult. And I often get stuck behind them leaving my radio show because it's yesterday. I saw one. It's one o'clock on a Monday. It's a bachelorette party shithoused riding some kind of, you know, what looks like a pedophile van that's been transformed into uh, something from Kid Rock's big ass honky talk. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, (laughs) there just needs to be some restraint, moderation in all things. You can have these things, just a little bit of moderation, a little bit of regulation. That's all that I think I asked for. I know exactly what you're talking about. There's a church van that drives around downtown. It's just white. The windows are blown out. They've cut the top out of it and they've put a pontoon cover on it. I saw that one. It looks like they were literally kidnapping kids one week and then decided, you know what? There's more profitability if we take this thing downtown. Like the the kid, get the kids out of the van, give them their candy and puppies. And let's actually go downtown and load this thing up full of screaming chicks. Replace the candy with uh, the mini, the mini, the airplane bottles of Fireball. You got a successful business model. I listen. I can't knock the hustle. That's that is uh, that is entrepreneurship at its finest. It's just it's more of a statement about us societally and where people are in the year 2021 that this is something that people actually choose to do in their free time and literally come from out of state to do with their friends and loved ones. All right, Buck, we, we've kept you hostage long enough. You've been a, you're fucking been a, a right. <laughs> you've been it's a good what you sport. wanted. What it you is wanted. what I wanted. No, this is fun. I'm glad we got to do this. It's been a long time. We got to, I got to let you get back to the studio lest uh, Luke. I'm afraid Lucas is actually going to try to take the show from you in a game of Thrones style situation. You're going to come in. He's going to be sitting on a throne of melted mics. Just going, <laughs> I'm here. Come take it. Listen, that dude is going to be a star. I just hope that uh, I just hope that he decides to to stick with me uh, down the stretch because Lucas does a fantastic job. And one day he is going to come for all of my things. And I hope that I'm in a position of power to where I can strangle him the way that the Titans strangled the Chiefs on Sunday at Nissan Stadium. Protect the lead. That's all I'm trying to do. Would you eat the brand new brisket bowl from Chipotle twice a week for a year to keep Lucas for as long as you want him? I mean, that's basically what I'm doing with Uber Eats anyway. It's just various. It's just not coming from Chipotle. So, yeah, I would take the I would take the future diabetes and potentially losing a foot to uh, to maintain my position of power in front of the microphone that we all so desperately crave. And it's not like I don't have enough things or platforms that I'm talking into microphones on, but he can't have that one. I fought too hard for that one. Run through and tell me those platforms, damn it. Pimp yourself out before we cut you loose. We got 10 to 1 on 104.5 The Zone. It is the uh, incredibly cleverly named Buck Rising Show. 615 Sessions podcast on Fridays. The install with Greg Cosell on Wednesdays. And A to Z Sports Prime Time on the A to Z Sports Streaming Network. Sunday through Thursday night. Thank you, boys. I can, Listen, I can testament to that YouTube chat. It is filled with drug addicts, potheads, and then myself, who just sits in there occasionally having a good time with them as I'm probably ignoring a conference call. Boss, if you're listening to this, I'm really sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> it's football and other F-words. We enjoy coming to you each week and either giving you the analysis you want or continually irritating you as we don't talk about your team the way that you want us to. But we'll be back next week. Uh, for Zach Lyons and myself and Buck, who was kind enough to join us today, as always, you've just been out.
a Broadway sports media production.